0: Happy Father's Day to all of you, and uh, enjoy the day. Um, I do. I do enjoy the presents I get. I did get one this morning already from Sunday School. It's a little toolbox. Within this toolbox, I have a nice you know, wrench, saw. I need some of so all of these things I need these days because I believe I've put away some of these things. But uh, thanks to uh, Mrs. Walsh for putting these things together. They're always fun to receive. And uh, I will treasure this. And, And Megan just walked up to me and said, Dad, this is for you. Happy Father's Day. I said, you know, that's right. Those are moments and memories. Today is a day of moments and memories, right? Cherish not only as a father, but cherish as a child, as as a wife, uh, grandchild, whatever it is. Cherish these days, talk about the memories. Uh, Because as you get older, you don't remember as well. (laughs) So you have your kids remind you of all those silly things that you've done that um, will probably show up on some anniversary party that you have at some time in your life, right? something like that. Um, Do want to share a couple things this morning with the time we have. Um, As most of you know, um, there's certainly going to be a change in our lives here. Uh, I take specifically my family. uh, It's been mentioned a few times. I certainly with with somewhat apprehension share a message like this for a couple reasons. Uh, One, as a father you look back and you think of all the things that you should have done. Could have done, and uh, you look back at the things that you would change. But knowing God is with you the whole time, as you're and you're trying to do as God pleases and God's sovereign, you you, yeah, with regret, but you realize God's hand's been there. You thank Him for what He has done in your life. You thank Him for what He has done in your family's life, and. And you go on trusting him. What is the Christian walk all about? It's about faith. It's about trust. It's about knowing God is in control and that we as frail humans may fail, but God is perfect in all his attributes. And uh, we need to simply trust that. Um, Certainly the second piece is um, not knowing what God has for us, As, as many of you know. Uh, My company has asked us to move, asked me, and I'm praying my family joins me, (laughs) in Jacksonville, Florida. So we are looking forward to being your missionaries to Jacksonville, Florida. But the Lord has called us after, and I was thinking back this morning, I have been associated with this church since 1977. 1977. So for me, it's been almost the whole time, what's that, if I do my math correctly, as Chris was having challenged this morning with his math, 36 years that I've been associated with I know that I do not look old enough for that, but yes, 36 years that uh, I've been associated with this church in one fashion or another. Back in 1977, through a, a fire in our home, which I mentioned in a previous message, the Lord allowed us to come to the church in North Andover, be challenged by Pastor Stringer and the word, and uh, the Lord was, had saw fit to save us and uh, have been eternally grateful for this, this church, this assembly, and all that you've meant to us. It's, it's going to be very difficult to leave. It's going to be difficult to go away. However, um, just as passing, maybe you're saying, oh, boy, I hope he doesn't do that. Look, I am. there are a couple of opportunities I'm trying to pursue to stay. And so I don't know. You pray. You know, there's always emotions on that, too. And I know this is, this is not always the Father's Day, but, I, but I, this may be the only chance I have to kind of share some of these things between now and the time that the Lord may move us away. But, um, uh, you know, the Lord has taught us a lot through this. And through these things, you, you, there may be emotions in how you pray for things, right? you may pray Lord take him away as fast as you can others may say Lord I pray his you know that he doesn't keep his job and so he can stay here and so there's there's the pendulum right that goes and all all that praying and and a few verses that the Lord has really used in my life that I would like to just share and, and just opening and whatever the Lord has for the rest of the time from the message we'll go through that as well but Turn to 2 Peter chapter two, excuse me, chapter one. I promised myself I would stay composed today. I will do my very best for that. 2 Peter chapter one, verses two and three. Peter writes to the readers, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence god has given us everything we need in the process of our becoming more like christ and through that that even includes our decision-making process how do we know what god has for us how do we know what god's will is People are so consumed with knowing exactly what God has, such as, and and you see it quite clearly in the mission mission work, right? God, where do you want me to go? And uh, clearly God showed me this or God told me that. And that may be the case, but remember, what do we know about God's will? Number one, we are to obey his word. And as we obey his word, he will guide and direct do you have an open heart to serve him? Do you have an open heart to go wherever God wants you to go? Then as he does that, God will incline your heart. He will, he, you will have a desire to go somewhere. As a missionary, I'm just, just kind of sharing my heart on a couple things. I, having been in, in, in the mission board for many years, having been on missions trips, having a brother who was is, who is a missionary... You see so many things that go on. <laughs> you see a lot of people moving forward, and I see this a lot in some of the churches I visited in the South. you see a lot of people going forward and saying, "Hey, I'm ready to go to the mission field." And what has happened? Well, they hate their job. They're having family problems. All of these things are going on, and they simply say, "Well, wow, this is a glamorous thing. This will solve all my problems." out the mission field, and it doesn't. Frankly, they survive a couple of months on deputation and away they go. They never determine whether their wife is on board as well. And that is not a fair thing to happen. So I, I use that to say you know, I, I'm always open to God's will. Uh, I was asked back in November, October, November of last year to move. And I said, Sure. You always say that in jobs. Sure, I'm willing to move if that is what needs to happen. Well then they, there wasn't a lot of work they every so often asked me and then, um, so I kind of said hey they're not really asking anymore, I'm staying. And then um, probably a few months ago, same question came up, Kurt, when are you moving? I said oh, you remembered. (laughs) And uh, so that's kind of where we are right now. Uh, And one more verse I'd like to share with you before I kind of finish up just some thoughts on this and get into the reason why we're here and why we want to share God's word this morning. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, and I think that's important, right? When you are finding out God's will, you need to be in obedience to him. You need to be all along doing what he asks you to do, following his word. That's the assumption that's here. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This is not talking about a work salvation. Paul is speaking to the Philippian Christians. The assumption is they are believers, and he's instructing them. He's saying, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure." Our responsibility is to to be open to God's leading, to be open to, to, to God's challenges in our life and where he has us go, we need to go, has us to stay, we stay. If not, that's fine. But are you open to God's leading? Are you open to his will? It's not me saying, and it sometimes it may be, because I, maybe I don't show the emotion of the move as much as one would think I should or one would want me to, but I'm certainly satisfied in knowing God is in control, and if he does not want me to go, then guess what? And I'm open to him, guess what will happen? I will not go. Simple as that. Um... But God has has done that. So that's why I say, in essence, we will be your missionaries to Jacksonville, Florida. One would think that Florida is full of, of Bible churches. And I did a lot of research down there, and there were two so far, actually third, three that I'm comfortable with. Does that mean that there aren't good churches? No. But I would say just really conservative, really expository preaching, really care like this church does about God's word. There's not that many. Went down there looking for Christian schools. Yeah, tons of Christian schools. We found kind of one and a half (laughs) that we're comfortable with. Um, Yeah, you say the half. Okay, well, ask me later and I'll tell you what I mean by that. Uh, But, you know, you, you, you look at those things and you say, well, maybe that's not God's will then. If not, everything's there. Well, again, don't be sure. That's why I prefaced by saying we'll be your missionaries to Jacksonville, Florida in that sense. So what I would ask for you is, is to pray that God would lead us in the direction he would have for us. You may, I've heard people say, like I said, we're praying for you and I'll help you pack tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks, Ed McNeil, wherever you are. <laughs> He's just kidding, I know. Right, Ed? Um, and, and then there are those who are saying, we're praying against your moving. OK. I would pray, I would really. I really really want you to just pray that God would lead, that God would incline our heart to do his will. And if that's to move, that's fine. Then you should be fine with that, too. Um, If that's to stay, great, we're all happy, right? (laughs) Well, I'm happy, my wife's happy, my kids are happy. Um, All those things. So I'm just asking you to think of it that way and appreciate your prayers. There's a lot going on. The house was on, we put the house on the market. this past Sunday, getting some activity. Uh, nothing's for sure. Again, I, I've also connected with a person who there's a position potentially here in Woburn. That um, looking at that. So again, I don't know what the Lord has, but I'm willing to do whatever He wants us to do. And I think that's all that hopefully you can ask of me, and that the Lord can ask of me during that. So, if you have any questions on that, you can certainly come and ask me. Uh, you can punch me. You can. Hug me, not too hard. I'm delicate in my old age. So let's kind of change gears here now. And and uh, wow, fire drill, moving. There's a lot of things trying to cover here. And uh, I really want to do something slightly different, as you see from the bolts. And I want I want you to think about honoring Dad. It's not so much a challenge to dads on how you need to respond, how you need to be. I I gave those verses of what family needs to be like, right? Gave those to you, you hear those enough. I want you to think about honoring dad and what does that mean to honor dad and what is the dad that is honorable? And think about those things. So, you know, certainly the challenge for dads is, are you an honorable dad for children? as we'll go back to Exodus, right? Exodus chapter, chapter 20 and talk a look about that command to honor. Uh, children, are you honoring your parents? And certainly wives, are you assisting in that process? We know that in Exodus 20, you are to be honored as well. And uh, I, thank, I thank the Lord for my mother and I try to honor her every day. My dad is not around anymore, um, but I try to honor my mother. There are times that my wife says, remember to honor your mother. Okay, okay, I will uh, be reminded. But we are to honor. That has, not, that has not changed. It has not stopped. It doesn't talk about, that's not a, a, I'm not talking about obedience here. I'm talking about honoring. It is different. It's different. I want you to make sure that you, you, you separate those two things. When we talk about it today what is honor honor is showing reverence and respect honor is treating someone with a proper respect due to the person and listen carefully and his role or her role that's the key here right as a parent the role is a role of honor scripture says that and we need to keep that in mind it doesn't matter how old you are if your parents are living you are to honor you are to honor them turn to exodus chapter 20 you know this passage exodus 20 and, and verse 12 it's two key pieces i just want to quickly mention and then, then we'll move on exodus chapter 20 verse 12 says we read honor your father and your mother and it just doesn't stop there. This is, this is a, a command with promise, which is also stated in the New Testament. That your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Isn't it amazing and, and a great reminder that God is the one who gives us everything. Don't forget that, dads. You may think you're successful, and in the world's terms you may be sex- successful, but everything you have is because of God last year one of the reasons for the move was the president of our group was let go You know, i love the term right If you've been in the business world they are have been they've decided to pursue other opportunities that's just a fancy word for they were fired don't be fooled by that right they are pursuing other opportunities so when you find out i'm pursuing other opportunities they let me go and that means maybe i could stay around right don't pray for that please but there's, there's the promise, right? The promise is that your days will be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gave. There's promises there about longevity of life and satisfaction of life. Honoring parents gives satisfaction that God's word says here. And we need to keep that in mind and honor them. And you know, we honored our military a few weeks ago, right? Great thing to do. They, they've done so much for us as, as a free country. But God's word is clear about honoring your parents, and in the case today, just talking about honoring your dad, honoring dads. You know, it's without exception, right? Sometimes we'll say, I'll honor my father as long as he's a Christian. If he's not, I'm not going to, as long as he is honoring God. I will honor him as long as he does what you say. (laughs) I'll honor him as long as he doesn't make me do something that I don't want to do. You know, we always put stipulations on our honoring. Well, th- there is none here, right? There's no stipulations on honoring. You're respecting the role. Remember, separate disobedience from honor here. I'm not talking about that. That's Obe- sorry, I say obedience and honor. I'm not talking about that. So keep that in mind as we're going through this. And there is a. You know, and the the flip side, there's certainly a command for dishonor. If you had time, you could turn to Deuteronomy chapter 21, and it talks about those whose children continually disrespected their their parents. What was done? There was two things that were done. Anybody recall? What was that? Yeah, children. You can tell us that. (laughs) They were killed. But what was the first thing that happened? They were brought before the elders. Publicly. A public display of their dishonor. And then number two, there was a public discipline. <laughs> Quite a stern, strong discipline of those children who were consistently disrespectful and dishonoring to their parents. That is a, that, wow. <laughs> Not under that law anymore. <laughs> we would be put in jail for something like that. That was what God, God considered honor of parents, very important. We ought to as well. If I had time, we'd go through Proverbs and look about all the passages that about fathers and Proverbs and what the, the key role that the father has and it's an honorable role. Don't have the time for that, so for the, for the remainder of, what, of our time, today, I'd, I'd like you to turn to Luke 15. Luke 15, and uh, wow, it's a long passage. We weren't going to be doing expository, but just pulling some concepts from here. and We'll probably still do the same thing. You now, this parable, if you look in your Bibles, what, what is this commonly parable called, right? Parable of the lost son. What do some of the others have in your Bible as a title? Prodigal son. Anything else? Lost sheep, Okay. Who, let's, let's, let's go through the characters here, right? There's one character, the son, the young son. Anybody know there's, there's symbolism, obviously, in here? Parables are lessons for teaching, and usually they, the Lord equates certain characters within his, his parables to existing groups of people. So what does the youngest son represent? This is you, well... <laughs> Those of you who had to do activities, I heard some of the, the senior saints say that they wanted to make sure they stayed awake because they did some exercise this morning. They needed to stay awake during the message because I got some exercise going out for the, the fire drill. So I'm going to get participation here from you so I can keep you awake. But uh, what, what, what is, what's the son, the youngest son represent? What's that? Fallen humanity, you can say, a lost person, but a lost person who repents. Don't forget that part, right? It's a lost person who repents in sincere repentance. Then we have the Father. Does that symbolize? It's the, it's the, it's the Sunday school. It's the Sunday school answer. Young kids always say, right? What's the answer? God. Seventy-five percent of the answers that you have in Sunday school for the young children, the answer is God or Jesus. So there's your your hint for that, right? The answer is God. It's God the Father. Then what's the oldest son represent? Are you asleep? The religious establishment, right? The Pharisees, typically the, the kind of the symbolization of that. But the lost son seems to be... The subject, the main character. I respectfully disagree with that. Who's the main character here? The father is, folks. Think of what the father's doing here. Let, let's go. I, we don't have a lot of time, but we're going to go quickly through this. This father is a giver. No greater example do we have than the Lord himself, Right? So let's see what the Lord has and what is an honorable father. First of all, he's a giver. Verse 11, he said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. What did the father do? What would you do? Smack you around, son, (laughs) and give you what (laughs) so? I mean, just in your human nature, thinking, what in the world? But what did the father do? He gave. Now, what was the prerequisite to get an inheritance? Death, right? The father's going to die. Didn't happen. Now, the, the youngest son, as well, from, from the culture, was only given half of what the oldest, all the sons were given half of what the oldest son was given. So the father, even though it may not be, so he gives him one-third of, of the inheritance of what he had, the father. To most of you, if you gave, as a dad, if you gave one-third of what you have to any one of your children today, you'd have to move and uh, sell your cars and get like you know a, a, a go, if you guys remember what a you-go is. You'd have to do something like that. This is not something that was easy for the father to have to give away. It was sustenance for him. It was his livelihood. But he gave. The angry response would have been, forget it, son. Not over my dead body. (laughs) Right? You know, that expression, and that would have been true. Would not have happened. Gave anyway. Knowing his son was sinning the father gave. Knowing his son would most likely squander his inheritance, the father gave. Knowing that his son might never come back or even die, the father gave. This is truly a father to be honored. Second thing we see in here the Honorable Dad, the Honorable Father is patient. I can only assume, it does not say here specifically, but knowing this was a, a godly man, because that's, that's the illustration here, that the Father prayed for the Son. Would you agree with that? I mean, I, I would think that that's not stretching it, that the Father prayed for the Son. I can, Again, only assume up, never gave up. You know, you have or know of someone family member or someone else's family who's got a child who's lost parent who's done all they could to train to rear that child but the child has decided not not to follow in the parents ways don't stop praying don't stop praying be patient wait I can only imagine, again, the father probably every day looked out towards the street and hoping that was the day the son would come back. Again I can only assume, being a father, that I would think that way. Would that, again, stretch where we think this father was? I don't think so. Waited, looking, looking every day, whenever he could, down that street, hoping and praying that that son would return alive. Not a news of someone coming and saying, I'm sorry to say that your son is no longer with us. Hoping and praying that that did not occur. Patient, this truly is a father to be honored, as a giver, was patient. Let me just read that passage there. And not many days later, the younger son gathered himself together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and it began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating and no one was giving anything to them. This is the lowest of lows that goes on. So often we as parents, we protect our children from the bad mistakes and we almost perpetuate the problem by not allowing them to go through with their desires and their wishes. Those aren't easy things to do. They're not easy things to do. And this fa- son this went low, real low, about as low as you can go without dying. That's where this son was. Verse 17, but when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called to your son. Make me as one of your hired men. Now, if you've ever, ever been in trouble as a youngster, have you ever practiced one of these speeches? Practice a few of those speeches myself. And uh, what's the father's response here, right? Practice his speech. Listen, I'm not worthy. When you realize how deep you are in your sin and how far away you are from the Father, in this case, the Heavenly Father. You realize you have no part. You don't feel worthy to be any part of the family. And you just pray that you will be accepted back in as anything, anything. That is true repentance. And unless you come to that position from salvation, if you're here and you don't know the Lord as Savior, you, 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 are in a, you are destined, not maybe not in this earth, but in the afterlife, to go to the same end as this son without the Lord. The Lord has given us an opportunity to spend eternity with him if we simply recognize our sin. And realize that the only way that our sin can be paid for is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. It was the satisfaction of the Father. And he was satisfied with that. And allows us to have an opportunity to spend eternity and have our sins forgiven. But we simply must accept that gift. This son exhibited true repentance. But what about the honorable father he's loving? Let's look at this loving father. Just one verse. The son gets up and comes to the father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Now, there are a lot of act, action verbs in here, right? There's a lot here that went on. So when I said to you, That the father is patient and possibly looking down that road every day saying, I hope my son comes. I wish he comes. I pray he comes. He's looking. He sees him afar off. So you don't think he's not looking? I'm sure mothers, same way, right? But this is the father. I'm just talking about the honorable father today. He was looking for his son. Hoping and praying every day that that son would come back and be part of that family. He knew the only way the son would come back was in the right frame of mind. He knew that was going to happen. And when he saw him, he felt compassion. The love just came out and said, I'm going. I'm not sitting here. I'm not waiting for my son to come because you know what? That son is the problem of mine. That son of yours, sometimes the fathers would say to the wives or the husbands would say to the wives or the wives would say to the the husbands, that son of yours, I'm standing here in my property and they're coming to see me because then I'm gonna what? Give them a piece of my mind. Have you been guilty of that? Yeah, me too. (laughs) You do that. That son didn't do that. I mean, that father didn't do that, right? Ran. Didn't walk, ran. That's right, if this had been a real fire drill, (laughs) right? Please stay calm for a moment. We're having a real fire behind you. But let me finish my announcement. I just was thinking of that, sorry, when you were going through the announcements. <laughs> the Titanic had honorable people, thankfully. But in this day of age, women and children, sorry, husbands are going first. I'm not saying that for me, I'm just saying that typically happens. But, you know, the guy—he didn't, he didn't wait, he wasn't patient, ran. This is my lost son, has come back. I know why he went. I know what went on when he was gone. And he has come back. Learned. Definitely learned a lesson. I'm sure of it. But what did he do? He was looking for him. He ran to him. He embraced him. He kissed him. This truly is an honorable father, he is a forgiving father. When do you think the father forgave the son? When he came back? No. When he left. Already forgave him. That's what a heavenly father does too, right? There is that point of forgiveness, right? Forgiveness is there, ready to be received, but it cannot be fully appreciated until the recipient understands the forgiveness, right? Right? It's an attitude, right? It's an attitude of forgiveness. You know what? They're going away. Uh, uh, You know, it's an unforgiving thing that you're doing. But you know what? You're forgiven. Anytime you want to come back in the right frame of mind, you're welcome back. A loving, forgiving Father. I I, I truly believe the forgiving was premeditated, right? God doesn't wish anyone, wishes all to come to repentance, right? He wishes all. Doesn't mean all do come, but He wishes all. To come to repentance as a father who may have uh, lost children you are ready to forgive you're ready for them to come back and you want that to happen in the true spirit of repentance his giving was external right forgave his son restored him to his previous position let's look at verses 21 to 24 and the son said to him father i have sinned against heaven and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The son was only able to complete part of the speech. Right? There was a lot more that was supposed to be said by this son. The father doesn't, want to, doesn't need to listen to the speech, knows the son, can tell the son is repentant. And what does he do? says, but the father said to his, his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring in his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. So if your child comes to you with, with, with something they've done incorrectly, what do you do? Well, because of all you've done, and I'm not saying this is wrong to do. Discipline is important. I'm simply trying to express the love of this father and the forgiving nature of this father. Well, you will be grounded for two years in those two years, you will go to school handcuffed. What, you know, I'm, I'm being sarcastic, but it, it, we, we think of very, very hideous things to do to our children. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that you don't do that, but I want to give you a, a picture of the Honorable Father. The Honorable Father was so excited for the son to get back. The point here is not so much that the father didn't do any, any type of discipline. I think that the, the, uh, the son received enough discipline during his life during that time. Additionally, this child was most likely as of age, because they would have been a teenager at least to, in order to receive that inheritance. So the discipline not, is not needed to be there. It's the restoration that occurs here. right? He restored him to full sonship. What did the son ask for? I just want to be one of your slaves. That's all I care because I know I'm not worthy to be your son anymore." Wow, if you had a son come to you with that, first of all, you might have a heart attack, right? Just knowing that happens. And second of all, you might somebody have to pick you up off the floor from doing those things. But I'm just, it, it's just an amazing picture of God's forgiving us, right? With our sin, we are the lowest of low because we have separated ourselves from God with our sin. Forgiving Father, and then finally, the um, the true the Father to be honored is a teacher. Let's not forget the youngest son here, right? Verse twenty-five. Now his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing, and he summoned one of the servants, and began inquiring what these things could be. See. The son was never lo- the, the, the the brother was never looking for the other son. It couldn't have been, right? Wasn't eagerly waiting for another son, the other the other son to come. A sad, a sad commentary. And he said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him, teaching him, pleading with him to come in. You shouldn't be acting this way. But the, the oldest son answered and said to the father, Look, for so many years I have been serving, and I have never neglected a command of yours, and you have never given me a young goat. Notice the number of I's and me's in there. I might, you have, and, and yet you never given me a young goat so that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, the son of yours, doesn't even acknowledge that this is his brother, This son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes. You killed the fatted calf for him. And the father says to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. The son took this as a teaching opportunity. The father took this as a teaching opportunity for the oldest son. Listen, son, the attitude you have is wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong for you to not want to forgive that brother. Maybe this stuff didn't happen, but while I was here, everything was yours. You've been able to enjoy this all along. But your son has come back. We need to rejoice. Sometimes we we wish punishment on those who have sinned who have come back to repentance we wish it on them why cuz they should pay for their sins and they should not come back should not give them that time of day this father was a teacher this is truly a father to be honored you know, a giving a loving a patient a forgiving a teaching father that's the father to be honored so I, I, I go back and I, I say I challenge. I challenge the, chi- you, the children, the young people, those of you who living with your parents or even not. doesn't mean that, again, your parents are the best things going or they're even Christians or they're doing what's right, but you need to honor them for their role because that will be a testimony to them. You never know what the Lord will use to bring those folks to him. You don't know. And you need to know that. You need to honor your father. Dishonoring your father is sin against God. Again, wives, just be an example of building up your husband. He has a tough job. I (laughs) woke up this, yesterday they asked me, what do you want to do today? They said yesterday, so they would have said tomorrow, but that's today, just so you don't get confused. They said, well, you want to go out to eat or do you want to grill? And I said, you know what? 364 days of the year I'm making decisions. How about this one you guys decide? There you go. That was beautiful. And of course, not having to, not having to make the kitchen messy at all, they all decided to go out to eat. <laughs> I, I, I'll take that as not being selfish. But, but and be an example of building up your husband and showing your kids what honor is. You know, Husbands do the same thing to your wives. So again, I'm not disqualifying the husbands for that piece. And fathers, I mean, you've got an example here of God. We are to be imitators of Christ, right? Followers of God. Therefore, we need to take these principles and apply them to our lives. We've got to be. Uh, and I stand here as a, as a father who has made many mistakes, um, but, a, but a father who, who wishes to be that godly father, the one who is patient, loves giving, um, teaching, And uh, so that my children will not have anything to say against me as far as their means by which they may, you know, they'll always, when you don't get their way, they don't get their way. Sometimes you're a bad father. Take that as a positive sometimes. Um, But to be challenged with that. Don't settle for anything but your best. God requires that. And here we have a perfect example. And remember, the... The main character of this parable is not the son. It's the father. And uh, be challenged by that. Let's pray. Lord, we recognize our responsibility as fathers and as, as as a congregation. We know that we understand these things. We believe these things. We sometimes are challenged by practicing or even encouraging these things. We pray that you would just forgive us for not being the Father that's found in this passage, for, for not being an imitator of Christ, an imitator of God the Father, of you. You are our greatest example. And we pray you'd help us to be more like you every day. Forgive us for just our failures. We know we're weak, we know we need you, and we know we need to come to a place every day where we, are, we feel that we are only worthy to be your slaves. And we're so appreciative that you called us to be sons. You've adopted us into your family. What a great privilege that is. Help us to go away from here thinking about memory, memories, happy, happy occasions. If there's something we need to get corrected with a mom or a dad, that would be taken care of today. And we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.